When I figured out that I wasn't going to be able to have enough votes to stop Trump at the convention, I was sitting on an airplane and I was prepared to fly to Baltimore and to have a fundraiser and raise a big chunk of money. And some people encouraged me to do it, but I kind of knew that I wasn't going to be able to stop him. And I, I felt myself that it was disingenuous. And I stopped the airplane and we all got out. And I don't even know if I made any phone calls. And I left the FBO where I was and I went behind a building and I cried for a short time, sort of let go of all the emotion. Welcome to Imposters, the show where I talk to world-class execs, athletes, and entertainers about their personal challenges and how overcoming those challenges has shaped their careers and lives for the better. I'm your host, Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. Today, I have two guests on the show, comedian Jordan Klepper and former governor of Ohio, John Kasich. And if you're someone who pays attention to politics, you might be thinking that these people should never get on a mic together because they will disagree till the end of time. You see, Jordan was a correspondent on The Daily Show and really hit it on the national stage during the 2016 election by going to Trump rallies and lampooning the voters and the GOP party. Governor Kasich, on the other hand, was running for president in that same election cycle. After 2016, Jordan got his own show on Comedy Central, but has since been canceled, and Governor Kasich lost the presidential election and went deeper into broadcasting in an effort to convey a more moderate approach to politics. And after all their quote-unquote career losses, the two men have a podcast together, Kasich and Klepper, where they combine humor and thoughtfulness to have a full, rounded conversation, not about politics, but about issues like mental health, parenting, leading with moderation, and much more. So I wanted to have them on the show to, one, talk about what it was like living through that exhausting election season, which was 2016, and what it was like recovering from those losses and the unlikely story of a left-leaning comedian and a GOP politician coming together. Hear the full story right after this quick break. So I'm going to start with uh, just a very obvious fact. Uh, Jordan, you're someone who is a comedian, uh, a correspondent for The Daily Show, used to have your own satirical Democratic-leaning show, and Governor Kasich, you are a conservative. Some say moderate, some say not so moderate, but no matter how you look at it, you guys just sit on different parts of the political spectrum. And so in many ways, you two are opposite people to work together. So why did you guys decide to partner up on this podcast when you literally could have chosen anyone else in the world? Jordan, you want to start? God, I could have chosen anyone else in the world. I wasn't given those <laughs> options. My understand it was it was the governor or I'm just stuck talking to myself. So this is this is news to me. Uh, <laughs> I, of course, kid, you know, the governor and I talk about this. We were sort of put in the same room together over Zoom because some folks said, hey, you guys should talk to each other. And I don't think either of us were super interested in getting into a podcast with left versus right. Let's fight this thing out. We found that we spent the whole time just talking about music, talking about shared passions. And we realized, you know, there was a lot we had in common and a lot of fun stuff we could talk about outside of the political spectrum so that when we did stumble into a conversation that was more political in nature, 
you know, we weren't coming in it with guns blazing, hands drawn. We were open because we had just talked about the Foo Fighters for the last 30 minutes. Alex, this uh, question kind of throws me for a loop because I don't look at life this way. Like, tell me who you voted for or tell me what your politics are, and then I can figure out whether I want to talk to you or not. I think most people, just like you, Alex, they're not that cued into politics, you know? I'm sort of fed up with politics now. There was a time when I was in it early, you know, I went to Congress when I was 30 years old, and there were so many people there who I admired and respected, even though they may have disagreed politically. I thought they were Americans before they cared about themselves, and today we don't find much of that. We find too many people in politics who are really just interested in their own self-promotion or their own success. So. This podcast that Jordan and I are doing, it's more issues, you know, the issues of mental health, the issues of how people are polarized, but that's not really like, okay, what do you think about issue X? So we spend our time talking to people about their lives. Totally. Well, I think you make it sound very simple, but at least from my pretty naive perspective is that for most people, they spend decades playing the political game in order to rise in the ranks. And so while... To your point, it's like an obvious thing. I'm going to do what's best for this country. It seems like actually um, a lot of people have fallen victim to not satisfying kind of that obvious truth. That's right. That's because they're looking for something else. But look, I forget who it was, whether it was Churchill. I, I don't remember said people get the government that they want. Alex, it matters what you think, not what some politician thinks. Because all the change in our country comes from the bottom up. And then totally. we need the support of the people to make sure that the politicians don't lose track because they're too worried about their own success rather than the success of the society they're trying to serve. Jordan, anything on that? Uh, I mean, I disagree completely. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Serving the people? No, it's about power. It's about money. That's why I'm going into it. This is just, I'm, this is a prelude to my political run uh, where I gain all the power I can possibly get. <laughs> so, okay. So I want to go back for a second because, again, you, you guys have had really interesting parallel careers, especially, you know, over the last decade in different areas that touch politics, right? Governor Kasich, you from like the perspective of working in government and Jordan, you from the perspective of both reporting and doing hilarious and entertaining satire around the current political state in the U.S. And, and when I think back to when I first really got engaged to a greater extent in American politics, it was in 2016. Because for the first time, it felt like people my age were saying, oh yeah, we need to really involve ourselves in this because something big is going to happen in either direction. But from my perspective, like I left that election being exhausted. Like I was exhausted. I was exhausted from friends talking about it. To your point, Governor Kasich, about like open-mindedness, it felt like there was very little of that. There was very strong point of view in either direction. And so I can only imagine what it was like for the two of you living it in kind of the depths of the political system. Like how did you guys mentally get through an incredibly exhausting election cycle? Well, we definitely had different, we had different paths in, in, <laughs> back then, I, I will say. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a comedian and I was on The Daily Show. And I think one of the best things about being on The Daily Show is that 
even if the world is burning around you or there's chaos and surprise around you, I get to get into a room and I get to talk to other smart people about what's going on around me. And so I get to digest and think through ideas with other really thoughtful, interesting, funny people. And for me, finding humor in what's happening around me is is how I process those things. So that's a luxury of being a comedian in the satirical comedy world around these strange times. But we've made politics entertainment. And when you do that, then the whole thing becomes pregame for one big event. And so if you have two years leading up to a Super Bowl, it's going to exhaust everybody after the big game. It's not healthy. It's not good for democracy. Uh, but I definitely was along for the ride and uh, needed a good break right after. Well, you know, so Governor Kasich, like Jordan, I think, to... to use his words, had the luxury of leveraging humor as almost not not just a not a coping mechanism, but an amazing tool to both create entertainment, but also processing what was happening in the world. I would say, unfortunately, that wasn't necessarily a luxury that you had uh, during that election cycle. So like, how did you... Well, I was running for president, Alex. I know you. I know you were. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, how was it? It was a fantastic experience. Uh, it was great, but it was, you know, disappointing at the same time. In New Hampshire, which you could meet everybody in the state, Trump beat me, but, but you know, I finished second. I beat everybody else. And when I started, I had no name ID. But it was fantastic. You know, what can you say? You run for president of the United States. And so this is a really an interesting thing that makes me feel, feel good. I was telling Jordan just the other day about my trip. I went to Spain and Portugal with my wife. And I was in Spain and some Americans who came up to me and they were like, we just love you. And this woman grabs a hold of me. And I'm like, what is going on here? And the guy that was my wife and I, he said, look, John, when you make an impression on people, they don't forget it. And I, I think that in 2016, I was able to create an impression of somebody that was fair and smart. First of all, I think the perspective that you have is both incredibly healthy and something that I think a lot of people can learn from in so many ways. One is uh, your ability to not play the game as easy as that sounds. Uh, I think very few people have proven their ability to do that, unfortunately. And I think the it used second- used to be that people could, Alex and yeah. George. It used to be that we had the measure of the men and the women were there to serve the country. It's just changed. There still are some, but the vast majority are just interested, as, as we said earlier, in power and influence and they're willing to sell out their basic principles and, and rationalize it somehow to be successful. This shall change. This will change. It's just a matter of when it's going to change. As someone who's trying to learn more, what was the big driver of this change that unfortunately has not been healthy change? I think it was the fact that people had become very personal in the way in which they conducted themselves in order to get power and keep power. And it's, it, it became contagious somehow. And we don't have the best and the brightest going into politics anymore. I mean, if you ask somebody, do you want to go into politics? Most people will run for the door. If you ask your spouse, well, I'm thinking about running for office, you know, that's a that's a quick trip to divorce court, right? I mean, my fiance has told me that she has asked me, please, please, please never think about going into politics. There you go. So, but it'll come back. And again, I don't worry that much about the politicians. I worry about you. I worry about what you think, what you're willing to do, what your fiance is willing to do, how you're willing to help in your community. That's what I worry about. When we lose you, that's when we're done. It's not when we lose the politicians. That sounds like, an, like a political line, but it just happens to be true. 
Yeah. Jordan, any thoughts there? Uh, I'm not worried about you. You'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad uh, I have Jordan's support. Um, okay. <laughs> what, one thing, because two things can be true. I both think that uh, Governor Kasich, like you have such a healthy perspective on just the joy that you got from the process of running p- for president. But also I can see it being true that it was a crushing loss for you because you had been spending your whole career up to that point. And so what were the moments, like the day, the week after you lost, like for you? Yeah, when I figured out that I wasn't going to be able to have enough votes to stop Trump at the convention, I was sitting on an airplane, and I was prepared to fly to Baltimore and to have a fundraiser and raise a big chunk of money. And some people encouraged me to do it, but I kind of knew that I wasn't going to be able to stop him And I I felt myself that it was disingenuous. And I stopped the airplane and we all got out. And I don't even know if I made any phone calls. And I left the FBO where I was and I went behind a building and I cried for a short time, sort of let go of all the emotion. And then I went to my daughter's school and they were, and when I got to the school, that was a tough one because the teachers and the administrators all knew what was going on. And my daughters had heard I was dropping out. They gave me a big hug. And it was over. It was over. I mean, I've not sat around thinking, oh, well, I, you know, this had happened and that had happened. I mean, every once in a while I might think about it. But, you know, I think the country would be in a much different place today had I won. It just wasn't meant to be. For whatever reason, the Lord put me in another direction. And, and my life is very fulfilling. I'm beginning to write another book. Um, it's great. I just didn't. It, I just didn't get there, so it's okay. It did pretty well, though. Jordan always teases me that I got one more electoral vote than he did. In the, <laughs> in the history of our country, this is really interesting. In the history of our country, there have only been there are less than two hundred people that ever received any electoral votes. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting, I, and unfortunately, Jordan wasn't one of them. I that is yeah. I'm not in that group. No, I, I will give Governor Kasich that. Guys, this is, this is the chemistry we were talking about before. <laughs> yeah. Governor Kasich's POV here is interesting. It's clear that he's done the work to process what is probably one of the most public losses ever to lose the presidency. But what I loved about his answer is that even though he suffered a professional loss, his mission to change the world didn't end. He just realized he wasn't going to do it as president. And I wanna think about that takeaway outside of politics. When we suffer professional losses, let's say you went up for a promotion at your company that you didn't get, it's easy to lose faith in your overall reason to be there in the first place. In moments like this, it's probably a good idea to take a step back and align with your mission and ask yourself if you're fulfilling it or are on a path to fulfill it in the capacity that you're in. If not, maybe you need a change like Governor Kasich saw for himself. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. But when we get back, we're going to hear about Jordan's Comedy Central show, what he did when it was canceled, and a hilarious moment between the two guys. Stay with us. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. 
You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Jordan, I want to uh, go in a different direction, which is as you reflect on just your career thus far in, you know, political comedy and journalism, can you talk about some of the personal sacrifices that you've had to make at just different points in your career in order to do this work that you both find important and really enjoy? Yeah, I'm I'm a comedian. And so I got into this through improvisation. And that was sort of my first UCB, right? UCB, Second City, Improv Olympic. I kind of came up through Chicago and found my way into New York. And, you know, the life of an improviser, it's not the most lucrative life. And so you, but you do it because you love it. You do it because of the community that is there. You also learn failure day in and day out. Like that's sort of what improv is. You walk on stage with nothing uh, except the other people you're there with. And you accept that you might find greatness and create something out of it, or you might fall on your face. And you get a little bit of both. And you get used to it. You start to understand that failure isn't the end of the world. Neither is success. And so that sort of crafts your mindset and the way you start to move through life and career at that point. And so I've been very lucky with the opportunities I've had. With those opportunity comes moments for heartbreak as well. You know, it took me took me 15 years to get my big break. And in doing that, I'm scraping by. I'm eating ramen noodles for a long time. I luckily had a, a wife, still half the wife, who was in the same boat with me there. It's a lot of struggle, but you do it because you love it. And and I was lucky enough to never have a plan B. And so I I continued on that path and, and kind of still still do. Again, you, you, you get used to the up and down of the industry and you become hardened and understand that like your value system lies outside of whatever gratification you might get from a, an elusive industry there. But you hopefully get better and better at learning what it is you truly want and what you truly get out of those things. And when opportunities arise, that you're, you're hopefully in a good enough place to execute on those. So I feel very fortunate about the, the path I've gotten to, to walk. Yeah, in some ways, as you said, it took you 15 years to to get your break. I think the positive side of this is not only has it made you resilient to quote unquote the roller coaster of opportunities and challenges, but it's also like in terms of just like your value system and the 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 shit that drives you. It's like you can be so sure that it's just from an intrinsic joy of the work that you do versus doing it for other people because they expect it of you or the money to be accumulated from it because if that was the case, you would have picked a different career. Yeah, th- this this is a strange business. And especially that the improv world, I got so much more out of life than just the the potential for uh, a big break or to find success on television. You craft your own life philosophy out of the actions you take. And I think like if uh, <laughs> for the imposter podcast, I mean, you, you, you have these feelings that you don't deserve or you're not ready for yeah. the things that you get. Uh, and sometimes you get more than you, you bargained for and you have to... <laughs> You have to become larger than you think you are to face those things. And then you have to get smaller than you think you are when you crawl down in defeat. But that's the older you get, you realize that shit's life. (laughs) Honestly, I think that's such an important point because I think you're saying it in an even kind of more articulate way than like the terms that people use. But you're talking about kind of the idea of imposter syndrome, but also not getting too big of a head at any point. Like 
Talk about a moment or two in your career where you were like, this opportunity is bigger than me. I don't really think I'm qualified to do this. Well, I mean, I got my own television show after The Daily Show, which was a dream come true. I got to run the opposition, got to have 80 plus employees underneath me, and we had to make TV every single night about the news around us. And that was a huge undertaking. At that point, there was only two people I'd seen do that job, which was John Stewart and Trevor Noah. So I had very few mentors, two yeah. great mentors. Yeah, I was going to say incredible uh, ones. But it's like, I only know essentially two ways to do this. And I've only seen them do that for a few years. How do you run something like this? And I think I didn't sleep very well for the first six months of that job. The anxiety, the the bigness of it felt very overwhelming at times. Yeah. You walk Gosh, into a room and suddenly- for just a second? We stopped yeah, for yeah. a second. Yeah, I'll be right back. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> this is my and you, and you story. Call him, and you call him your partner. This is, he, he can see oh. the focus shifting. He's like, oh, the focus is shifting. I, I'm going to go take a walk around right now. He's I just li- walking. He's just I literally around. could see the, the, the tear duct on Jordan's eye opening up as he just. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I just, I drank a gallon of water and it's. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm enjoying this because I didn't even know Jordan had the show. I didn't know he had any. I didn't know any of this. This is something I've just found out. So this is you were so riveted by you were so riveted by this that you had to leave halfway through. I never realized that, Jordan. I never realized it. This is my this is my big story of. Okay, so Jordan, now what you're going to do is get super emotional and start from exactly where you were. (laughs) Where was I? I mean, it's it's a lot. Uh, having to create uh, 30 minutes of uh, TV every single day is is a behemoth. And also the show I was doing, I was playing a character, so we had to filter all of what we had to say through the opposite point of view because it was all satirical. And that was tough math. Yeah, You had to write a joke and then you had to write it backwards. So it was, it was difficult. And then we had 80 people who are figuring out how to do their jobs and they're all looking to the boss who is, who is me, a guy who plays a confident guy on television but is slowly becoming one off of the screen. So you're you're, you're filled with self-doubt. You know, at 4 a.m. you wake up and you're like, I don't know if I can do it today. I don't know if I have that insight today. And we're also competing with the internet. And guess what? The internet loves to make you feel small. And so social media is going to have a faster take on what's happening in the news that day than you might at 11.30 that night. And so that's in your head as well of like, do I have anything to add to this conversation? And I will say this, uh, uh, a piece of advice that John Stewart gave me when I was leaving The Daily Show and I was going to start the opposition, I had a meeting with John and and he made that com- comment. He was like, I can sense that you have an anxiety about this. I was being very open to him about the pressures of running my own show. And he was like, you have to trust that you have something to say. A lot of people on TV don't. He was like, you need to trust that your voice is valid. And I think it's hard. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have that position, but but you had to keep telling yourself, I can do this. I could also be respectful to the people who are putting in their time and their effort to make this show work. And then and then you do, and you get such great joy out of it. And then, and then they cancel that show, and it's a gut punch. And everything with that, they cancel that show and they gave me another show, but they weren't gonna bring everybody along for that next show, and so, then I have to walk into a room and tell people that this thing that they put their lives on hold, people left other jobs to come here. We were just, uh, we were kind of been promised more time than we got. Suddenly I'm telling people we have two weeks to finish this thing that we all, we all loved. And that the hardest thing I've probably ever had to do is to tell a bunch of people like, we don't get to do this anymore. And that's, that's, that's gut wrenching. And 
I think it's left me, <laughs> it's left me less affected by the winds of change. Stoic in some ways, understanding that there are things you can control and things you cannot, and don't waste your time with anxiety based on things you cannot. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, last question for you guys, and then I want to let you get on uh, with your day. So I'll start with Governor Kasich, and then uh, Jordan, I'll go to you. If there's a young John Kasich who is today looking to enter politics and start in the same way that very much you started very young in your life, what advice would you give them? In terms of advice for somebody who wants to be in politics, it's about whether, you know, you got to know what you think. It's not about getting in so you can have a job. It's a calling is what it really is. Deep down inside, what do you want to do? And stay true to it. Good, good people around you, but stay true to who you are. Do the job that you're doing well, and things will work well in the future. Live life bigger than yourself. Jordan, it's hard to follow up, but what would you say to uh, a young Jordan Klepper who's getting into comedy today? You know what? I'm I'm empathetic towards my younger self. I think I uh, I think I did an okay job of trying to keep my head in the right place. I don't know if I have any advice to necessarily. Uh, point him in any different direction. I will share this. I was looking, I was like, I have a quote on my wall, which actually is very similar to what the governor is talking about. And maybe I would give him a quote partially because it makes it sound like I turned into a pretty smart guy, but I have a quote from Seneca on my wall right now. That's you says, really are into this stoicism thing I, right now. Let me tell you, it's the new thing, right? Everybody's getting into it. It is. Ryan Holiday's work. Oh, uh, freaking Ryan Holiday. I was going to say, you got the Ryan Holiday look right now. You're doing the yeah. podcast. <laughs> I was like, oh, Alex is really going, let me get into this. Oh. Hey, I'm just controlling what I can control. This is, it's men of a certain age really doubled down on the right. Ryan Holiday figured that shit out. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. He's, Sorry, anyway, back to the quote. I'm sure all all 43-year-old men in Brooklyn have this Seneca quote on their wall. Uh, but it says, the greatest obstacle to living is expectancy, which hangs upon tomorrow and loses today. So I, I would tell young Jordan that. Which, call it Buddhism, call it Zen. Call, it's live in the now. Nothing is promised for tomorrow, so in, enjoy what you got uh, while it's here. Because that's the one thing 21-year-old Jordan is losing right now, and that's youth. So enjoy it. The anxiety of tomorrow, you can't do anything until you, until you get there. Love it. We're going to finish, if it's cool with you guys, with a quick rapid fire. And because it's my first time having co-hosts of a podcast on, these are going to be co-host-specific rapid fire questions. So hopefully uh, you guys know a little bit about each other. Okay, we're going to go John first, then Jordan. John, what is the most interesting thing that you've learned about Jordan Klepper since starting the podcast? Very well read, very knowledgeable. Jordan Klepper, what's the most interesting thing you've learned about John Kasich since uh, starting the podcast? A uh, Tesla own, owner? <laughs> <laughs> was that a, was that and, a question and, or a statement? <laughs> no, I'm going to say statement. There's many, there's many things, but I think what immediately hit me was he calls me when his Tesla runs out of batteries and he, he needs to hang on a charger station. So I, I didn't expect that one coming. <laughs> that, that, that is great. Next question, John, what is something that Jordan does that absolutely annoys you while recording a podcast and you would pay him to change? I don't, I don't, oh, don't say that. nothing. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> come on. Now, Jordan, you're going to look like an asshole if you say something. Yeah, well, I was going to say, come on, John. I got a list of stuff here. I've been prepping for this question. <laughs> 
Okay, fine. Uh, Jordan, what's something that annoys you about John that you would pay him to change? Perhaps it's, it's his, his pragmatism. He talks about how things change slowly. I'd be like, ugh. I can, let's let's figure out a way to make them happen fast. And be like, no, that's not how our system was built. Things move slowly. There's checks and balances built into the pace of things. So, I'd uh, I'd, I'd I'd give him money to figure out. Okay, let's figure out how we could turn this up to uh, to eleven. Uh, guys, thank you so much for the time. This was fun. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Our professional lives aren't so different than our personal lives. They have wins and losses, breakups, and fulfilling commitments. And the great part is that in both, we have the ability to constantly assess and reassess our wants, needs, and our mission for doing this job, and make the choices to pivot if it's not working out. I think that ownership over our career journey is incredibly important, and it's something that I took away from my conversation with Jordan Klepper and Governor John Kasich. Throughout their career journey so far, they've had significant highs and lows, and what I found interesting was that in their lows, they never forgot the reason why they are in comedy or in politics in the first place. If you're in a career low, First thing that I would say is that you're not alone in that journey and that the highs will come if you take stock in why you wanted to get there in the first place and assess how your current position is helping you to fulfill that mission. Both Jordan and Governor Kasich in their own ways want to make the world a better place. And yes, that's a grand statement, but maybe through hilarious, relatable, and meaningful conversations, they can get there. Now, Imposters listeners, we need your help. We would love to hear from you on how the conversations on imposters have impacted your life. How does this show help you in your career or your personal life? Are there any particular guests or episodes that have stood out to you? And tell me the stuff that you haven't liked where you want the show to get better. Our goal is simple. We wanna make this as valuable as humanly possible and make the show worthy of your time. So shoot me an email at alex at morningbrew.com and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Imposters is a production of Morning Brew. Our senior producer is Vishnu Vallabhadani and Makila Heck is our producer. Brian Henry is our executive producer and A.B. Silver is our booking producer. Our sound engineers are Dan Bauza and Rosemary Minkler. Greg Jacobs is our video producer and Sarah Singer is our VP of Multimedia. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Original music in this episode is by Rosemary Minkler. 